I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which two fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Leeds United, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Elland Road. I'm John McKenzie, now 11 days into self-isolation and counting, and I'm joined by Josh Hobbs, who is a few days behind me. Josh, how are you doing? Yeah, good mate. It's crazy times, but I'm doing well. As I was saying to you, before we came on, self-isolation with two two-year-olds is, um, is a challenging thing. <laughs> but but doing doing well we're healthy it's a brave new world out there isn't it it's very strange um but let's not talk too much about coronavirus because lord knows we've all talked about it too much already um we've had a fun few days i think just watching back over some 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 games which is what is going to be the the, the main bulk of our time in conversation uh but i thought there was maybe a few things we could just talk about a little bit before that firstly um obviously the patron saint of this show is is Adam Forshaw and there was an interest there was an interesting article with Graham Smith who spoke to Adam recently about his uh, experience of going through um the injury woes that he's had this season he ended up having to stop playing and eventually um just constantly f- falling back under the same hip injury and so he went to Colorado had a hip operation hip operation and um is now s- sort of on the way back by the looks of it. So I-, I guess you read that piece. Did you read that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any takeaways from that? Some interesting interesting facets into his his, his experience, right? Yeah, I mean, mentally it must have, been, must have been really hard because I think originally it was just a niggly thing that I think he thought maybe he would be managing it for the season. But I don't think he ever thought it would stop him playing or, or he might miss a game here and miss a game there. But yeah, I think it came as a shock to him that ended up wiping out his season. Um, yeah, that's seeing your team uh, go through a, a great run that we went through that he didn't get to be a part of. Then the team fall apart and probably thinking to himself, oh, I wish I could be out there and affecting this this situation uh and then for the team to go back on an amazing run again and suddenly think to himself they're they're going to win promotion and I, and i'm going to have only played a small part of it at the start of the season 
um must have must have been a, a really weird thing but um i guess he yeah he'll be hoping like all of us that the season finishes we get promoted and he he's a premier league player in the summer yeah i thought it was it was really fascinating just hearing him talk about it, it throws a lot of light doesn't it onto the experience that we had which was the club are basically lying to us about for sure why can't they just tell us what's going mm-hmm. on but it it gave a sense i think a real sense of how involved the player is in the decision making process of how you deal with that kind of injury because clearly for sure kept thinking he was about to come back and then he would have another setback and even when it came to having the operation it it took him a week two weeks away under the uh, advice of Rob Price to to just make his mind up about whether or not he was going to have the operation. And even when he flew out to Colorado, it wasn't guaranteed that he was going to have the operation until a couple of days before he was still making his mind up. I found that really interesting. Yeah, I, I thought that too. I thought the, the thing that I found surprising was almost him saying that Rob Price basically seemed to think at a much earlier stage this is going to need surgery and it was uh, if I read it right it was sort of for sure who kept thinking no I think I can get through this but I would have I don't know at what point did could the club just have maybe tried to take that out of his hands and at least knowing if if Rob Price knew that that early why why would the club not have thought all right there's a really strong chance of this we probably should get another midfielder unless they were just really banking on the fact that Shackleton would come back fit and he would he would be that player and he has made contributions but he's still not starting games really he's just making 20 minute cameos here and there yeah that's really interesting I don't know what the club protocol is I wonder why I mean I guess part of the problem is that that, uh, one of the I think one of the mantras of of club physios is that you can't really know if you're ready and or enough to to play unless you are the player themselves so I think a huge amount of the, the information they're working off is how the player is feeling and if I mean the Charlton game for example where Forshaw came back and played 45 minutes and then got injured again um, that was a game that he'd passed the fitness test for like a few days earlier. So it's it's one of those things where it was clearly a, a complicated issue um, and it clearly must have been doing more damage than good to, to try and get him fit again. And um, I guess it's just a good thing really that he actually went ahead, bit, bit the bullet, had that um, had that operation and, and is now fighting fit and um, is now considering himself to have a few more years left in his in his uh, body which is which is good um, it's something that we've been doing obviously this week is watching games that Forshaw was playing in and I think it really I think it really strikes me anyway just how good Forshaw is when you watch back and you see the the role that he plays in 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 the central midfield and we don't really have anyone who's able to sort of play his role um so it will be good to have him back and have, yeah, I mean, Jamie Shackleton is a player that I know you're especially big on, but I'm increasingly um, excited about every time I see him play, but he's just not quite at Forshaw's level. So No, different player as well, really different stylistically. Yeah, I think that he's more of a an attacking eight than, than Forshaw is. And uh, I guess that's the that's the question, right? Where, where Who do we have who's going to fill in for Forshaw, right? It's, it's, it's not yeah. the easiest, it's not the easiest situation. I think the reason why Shackleton has and played as much is because Mateus Click is ahead of him and, and is again probably better in that position than Shackleton is going to be and so it's a difficult question there as well um, yeah did you want to add anything on Shackleton because I know you are you are you're a fan uh no not, not necessarily not necessarily um yeah I, I, I really like him uh, I think 
I think it's a shame that he's uh, had injuries this season because I think he would have got a lot of minutes. But um, but yeah, I, I think I'm still I'm still high on him, and I I hope uh, that he makes contributions going forwards and I think he could develop into a really exciting player. Before we get onto the the main topics that we're going to discuss so we've we've picked five games with with a little bit of of advice from you guys um just through the Bielsa tenure to look at the development of of the team under Bielsa um and we've watched between us we've watched five, those five games some we've had overlap on some but we've not been able to watch all of them obviously um but the question that really pushed this um, this sort of approach in this episode into our minds was the question about which game was the best game under the uh, under the Bielsa tenure. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, actually, and I'm not entirely sure how I would go about answering it. But um, I think we both now that we've both watched five games, four of which were last season and one of which was right at the beginning of this season, I think we would both agree that the best football being played under Bielsa is definitely this season rather than last season. Um, but I wondered if you would like to pick a game that you think is probably the best game in the Bielsa era. It's difficult, this one. I think my personal favourite, even though when we get into this, the next bit I'll I'll explain why I don't think it was the best. But my personal favourite is still the, the first league game which is the 3-1 versus Stoke, because it was just such a shock to the system. Um, and I think that's that was one of the ones that we got requested a lot when we put the, the question uh, on Twitter about uh, doing this podcast, because it was just like, I, I describe it as like an awakening of like, oh my goodness, this team, like what has happened <laughs> to this team? Because this is like relegation fodder players from the season before, um, just turning in what looked at the time to be this incredible performance but as you see the progression under Bielsa our our players so much better uh, now than it was then um i think yeah the the 4-0 against west brom um which we'll talk about later that's got to be one of them um weirdly the the cardiff 3-3 um I, we can't say that was the best because <laughs> uh, because of everything that ha- that happened there in the end. Um, but in terms of our attacking play, um, that was our best performance in terms of like uh, our XG generated in that game was um, the highest that we've had under Bielsa. We broke four. Uh, we broke four XG in that game, um, and uh, just unfortunately, we just crumbled defensively we did some sloppy things in the end which stopped that game from being remembered for all the amazing stuff uh, that happened in that game uh, another one that stands out to me that was an amazing performance but we didn't end up with three points was the one all draw with Derby from um, from this season because we limited them to only one shot from inside the box which we all know they scored from uh, and denied us the win um, we created almost three xg in that game uh, unfortunately we missed a penalty um, but yeah that was a, one of those games where we absolutely dominated them um, completely deserved the win I shut them out of the game but just we had that horrible luck that the one shot on target that they had 
went in the goal. So I, I sort of feel in performance sense, that one for me was almost our complete performance, but which is going to sound like people are going to think I'm mental for just talking about two games that we didn't win. Um, but I, I'm just being a bit, um, maybe I'm going for the rogue opinions. I certainly think that the football being played this season is better than last season. So I don't really consider um, last season's games to be really the pinnacle of like of perf- performance wise. Um, even watching the West Brom game back, like we played some nice stuff, but it's still there's still a lot of stuff in there where you can see that the team is still working on yeah. um, at- attacking patterns and stuff, and you see a lot of breakdowns. Whereas this season now we're really starting to see like relentless attacking yeah um and and some for example someone like luke ailing even but we're, we're going to go on and talk about this but i'll try and re- restrict myself to just talking about what i think the pinnacle performance was i suspect that <clears throat> i suspect that the best performance this season came at the beginning um just because in those first five games I know we drew with with Forest, but those first five games before we had that loss against Swansea, and um, and then we sort of started like leeching points in in fairly unfair ways. I thought that, that was probably our strongest, yeah, I agree. Um, our strongest period. And so the question is, out of those games, which was the which was the best one? And I think, I mean, the Bristol City game was good, um, but we did give away a goal. Um, the Brentford game, I think, was was okay, but. Um, I, th- I think maybe the Stoke City game then, the one that we looked at, the 3-0, was probably the most complete performance under Bielsa. Yeah. Um, and and then after that, you sort of have, you have Forshaw out for a bit and 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 things kind of fall a little bit apart after that. But um, I suspect that was probably the, the Stoke City game, I think, is almost the most complete Leeds team under Bielsa. I think the only the only thing is you have Alioski maybe playing instead of Dallas. Um so yeah, but yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun if we came back with everyone fit and healthy, and we could just play our strongest team for the rest of the season. Um, I really, really couldn't see us looking back if that was that was to be the the case. But let's let's get on because we've got five games to get through, and we've got plenty to talk about. So yeah, um, the first game that we looked at was the three one uh, game against Stoke, first game of the Bielsa tenure in the championship. Uh, Leeds played four one four one and actually it was really interesting looking back at that game because we pretty much still play like that now for the large for, for the for the most part. Um this is one of the first few games where we see Calvin Phillips playing in the defensive midfield role, which which was exciting for us. Um they had Alioski on the left wing um at this point and Roof up front, so it's still quite quite different. Um just a few th- a few comments about what was different. Samu Sayers was playing, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on him. Um, Luke Ailey, very interesting. The back four were very, very, um, were very, very tentative, I thought, in that game. So they played as a flat back four, really. You don't see Ailing getting forward much at all. Uh, and I think that we had Barry Douglas on the left, and uh, Douglas was was a lot more progressive um, than, than Ailing was at this point. Um, as well as that, I think the, the wide play was a lot narrower, so we didn't see quite so much. Obviously, without someone like Harrison playing, who really benefits from being in a wide area, um, actually, Alioski and um, Hernandez were both coming inside quite a lot and then leaving space for the, at least on the left, for, for Douglas to overlap into. Uh, and that's completely different from the way that we play now. So th- those were, the, those were the, the, the sort of ideas 
that that we saw in in that game. Um, in many respects, I think I, I don't know. You'll probably want to talk about the XG because in many respects we we weren't fortunate to win the game, but I think Stoke outplayed us in terms of XG. It probably should have been closer to a draw, um, but I don't know. I've I've not actually I've not actually looked in detail at the um, we've got the stats bomb data on that, but it depends whether or not you take into account the penalty, right? Because the penalty, yeah, the penalty skews it for sure. Yeah. Um, so before they won the penalty, they had like 0.25 xG. So mm-hmm. the the penalty took them to over one xG. At the same point in time, we were at nearly 1.5. So yeah. we um we were completely smashing them up until that point. The penalty brought the game a lot closer because that mm-hmm. that contributes 0.77 xg right. so that's a that's an enormous uh amount um and then uh yeah we have our last shot of the game in the 70th minute uh before they then bring on um fletcher uh bojan and crouch uh and they sort of start they start pinging balls up to crouch crouch causes a few problems and bailey peacock farrell makes a couple of saves um so i I mean, the XG has it as 1.85 to Stoke, 1.74 to Leeds. But the story of the game is clearly that Leeds were dominating. Stoke got a penalty to get back into it when we were 2-0 up. We quickly scored the third goal that took the game away from them. And then they had a late sort of barrage of balls into the box. Mm. So I would say they that... They have a big chance at the end, don't they? Yeah, which is a big like chance. In injury, injury time, which takes them ahead of Leeds. Yeah, exactly. I'd say it's probably about 0.3, so it's probably just a big chance. Um, yeah. But before, it's interesting that Leeds dropped off around the 70th minute. They don't seem to really do much after that. They give up two big chances. But. I don't think we were at our... Yeah, uh, we weren't at our peak level. So in a, now, you would uh, if Leeds were 3-1 up against... Um, against a team like Stoke now, I think we we would sort of ease away from them. We've got a good comparative, right? Yeah. In the game, and in, in that we looked at the game this season, and and it's completely different. Again, the three goals scored, but we just didn't give up anything. And it, and I guess that's the difference between then and now. Um, that that leads leads in the second in the first part of last of this season. We're just so much more controlling, mm. and and that makes that makes the difference. But yeah, I mean, this was a this was a really standout performance in terms of the fact that you can already see the ideas that um, yeah yeah that Leeds are going to go on to do for the rest of the the season and, and the rest of their time under Bielsa. But interesting one because if you listen to the commentary, um, I think it was. Um, Andy Hinchcliffe was a co-commentator and he's just gushing about Leeds the whole time. So it's an interesting one because Leeds are dominating the ball um, and they're completely controlling it and they're moving the ball through the areas quite nicely. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, false passing up front where players are passing it into space and uh, it's not anticipated. But if you look at if you look at the, the game itself, Leeds deserve to win. Um comfortably despite what the what the xg says so uh, i think that's already that's it's already sort of weird um, premonition for what the rest of bielsa's time is going to be like i think at Leeds, it's like large stretches of the game are controlled you do give up big chances but you still get the sense when you're watching the game that that Leeds do 
aren't really under any problems or aren't really facing huge amounts of pressure. So um, it's, I think it's quite interesting how you st- how you get from that position, which we probably were at most of the season, to the position we were at the beginning of this season, where Leeds were just in so much control. It just didn't look like they were ever going to win anything, uh, lose anything, which is why I think the the expected points models from this season just had them so high because they were just a, they were just next level. They were they were they were comfortably the best team in the championship. The Samu Saez thing found it interesting uh watching uh how differently we played with him actually uh i think yeah. that there are elements when tyler roberts uh plays in midfield where he does some similar things that saiz did which is essentially pick the ball up in the middle of the pitch back to goal and he would always look to sort of roll his man who was marking him tightly and then sprint away drive through the middle the middle of the pitch um carrying the ball through the middle now that we have Hernandez basically playing in that role that's totally different because he progresses the ball a lot more by passing um but I yeah I I loved watching Saez um it's it's such a shame everything that happened with him because uh he was just a lovely player to watch and I think he would have he would have been another sort of um yeah another string to our to our bow um going forwards Leeds would have played quite differently I think if we'd have had him in the long term yeah um, which is quite fascinating because obviously Bielsa sees Hernandez playing in that right wide right area he has in there from the very beginning uh, and then and then he's still got click um, I suppose playing playing um, in the midfield I, I, wonder, I wonder what the midfield would have looked like with with a decision between like Calvin Phillips um, for sure click and and Saez I don't know yeah. which way he would have gone. I suspect Click probably wouldn't have made it. Not, not initially, because he only came in. He only came in to start on the first game of the season because Forshaw for injured his foot right, right, right. before the yeah. start of the season. So the the midfield was set to be Phillips, Forshaw, Saez, and yeah. then uh, Forshaw came back fit, and Saez um, dropped off a bit in form when. Um, Hernandez got injured so I think they dovetailed well together they sort of created space for each other and he was sort of carrying the creativity with uh, Hernandez out so when he when Hernandez came back Saiz dropped out and we started to have a midfield three of um of click uh of sorry Phillips click for sure um and Hernandez was sometimes in the center but it, it was it was quite different um but yeah, I I think uh, Click benefited from having Saez in midfield as well because it's sort of I think he he drew defenders towards him uh, and Click could often get into the box more than he's able to do now. Um, mm. So when I've looked at shot maps for Click from last season compared to this season, he's he was taking so many more shots sort of from beyond where the striker would be. Um, and he's not really done that this season, which is just an interesting aside. Not not so much from that game, but he obviously scored the the first goal uh, by breaking into the box, going beyond roof, and being slipped the ball by Saez. So yeah, I miss Samu. I wonder if whether or not the fallout with with Samu was a, a, with with regards pressing because. I know we, we we constantly arguing about whether or not we play a ten or not, and I just don't I just don't see Click as a ten just because he presses so much, um, comparative to someone like Samu Saez and 
I wonder whether or not the the aggressive pressing would work quite so well if if we'd continued with size, whether or not that was the reason why he was almost forced out, whether or not Bielsa was like, you know what, if you give me a choice between Samu Saez and Mateus Click, I'm going to choose Click. But uh, that's obviously hugely speculative. But I can't even imagine playing a, a, the sort of flamboyant number 10 that Saez is now. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know whether whether you have have, a, have any thoughts on this. I, th- I thought he, I thought in this game he pressed well, but I think perhaps um, as it went on, he maybe like as in as the fixtures went on, he started to not press as much. But yeah, yeah. interesting thoughts. But I, th- I think in the end it was family stuff. Of why he yeah, there was all kinds back, of there was all kinds of things, wasn't there? Yeah. Let's move on to the next game because I'm aware of time. I don't want us to rush the, the last few games. Uh, yeah. Sheffield United nil, Leeds United won in um, December of 2018. Um, I haven't rewatched this game, so I'm going to rely heavily on you for this one. So do you want to talk us through this one a little bit? Yeah. Um, so this was one that we played the 3-3-1-3, um, which we didn't really play very much uh, last season. Um, so we had... Calvin Phillips at the back, starting uh, on the right-hand side of the of the back three, with Pontus in the middle and Cooper on the left. Um, Cooper got injured after about twenty minutes and came off. So uh, Apo Halm uh, came on, <laughs> dropped in at the deep end, uh, and then he went to the right centre back, and Calvin came to the left centre back. But this was a really interesting one. Um, because we didn't really control this game, um, so it's different to all the other ones. Because we we won this game despite having less possession, um, which is it's very rare for Leeds to have less possession uh, than our opponents. Um, another interesting thing about this game is Roof started up front as as he did um, for pretty much all the first half of the season. Um, but about half an hour in, Hernandez has switched from the right into playing as a centre-forward and Roof goes to right wing, which that was sort of a unique situation. We didn't see that at any other time uh, in the season. We obviously saw Hernandez play centrally, but never like as the furthest forward. He was always in a sort of attacking midfield role. Um, this season, we've seen that a little bit with Costa, but only for short periods of games if we just want to release his pace or literally if we're playing a long ball and Bamford pulls out right, Costa comes inside. But this was literally like from the half an hour point in the game. Hernandez is central, Roof is on the right. Um I don't know if it was a sort of a pressing thing, so Roof's pace uh, to press um, the wing backs and try to stop the overlapping centre backs of Sheffield United. Um, but I, I just found that a really interesting point. Um, and the the winning goal uh, is scored by Hernandez being in that central position. Um, I think I'd compare uh, that game to one from this season, uh, which was us beating uh, West Brom at home where we dominated parts of it, other parts we were sort of hanging on and there were definitely uh, points in uh, this game at Bramall Lane where uh, Sheffield United had us on the rack. Uh, McGoldrick had a good chance that Peacock Farrell saved well uh, with his feet. Uh, Billy Sharp 
missed what you would expect him to score a bit of a sitter of a header at the back post um the difference in the west brom game uh from this season was uh bamford up front who was sort of always gave us an out ball um and he was always fighting with the ji and um and Bartley, whereas in this Sheffield United game, with Hernandez playing as the centre forward, we didn't necessarily have that same outball. Um, yeah, and this is a big game for Jack Clark. He came on in the second half. He actually didn't do a lot. He had a few little moments, but um, but he got the assist got the assist for the winning goal uh, by by pressing Dean Henderson into a mistake, uh, which was lovely. And it's just about this time that Clark was. Uh, having a run of games of being excellent off the bench. I guess my question for you would be this. I mean, we've mentioned that this is one of the few games where Leeds play in a 3-3-1-3. Um, now, when we when we talk about formations, generally what we tend to mean is the formation that the team adopts in their defensive phase. Yeah. Um, so Leeds will often form a, a sort of 3-3-1-3 in possession of the ball, um, and that's their sort of attacking lineup. Um, so when you say that Leeds are playing as a 3-3-1-3 here, usually they're defending as a 4-1-4-1. Um, and when they play 3-3-1-3 in an attacking situation, they will then drop back and the wing-backs will drop in and the wingers will drop in and and, and um, the mid, uh, central midfield, defensive midfield will usually push forward because he'll have dropped between the two centre-backs. Um, do you get a sense that Leeds were... You, you said that they, they were clearly not quite so comfortable playing the 3-3-1-3. Did you get the, the sense that they weren't comfortable defending in the 3-3-1-3? Is that what the issue with it was? Because I mentioned that because watching the Stoke game actually at the beginning of this season back, they play a sort of 3-5-2 weird hybrid. Um, and one of the things that we're going to talk about is how in, this, in Bielsa's second season, he's much more comfortable with doing weird things with the squad, um, doing really creative things tactically, but... Last season was pretty much four one four one all the way. With a three, few games where they play against teams where there's two strikers, so you got Birmingham. I think they played both of those games three three one three. Yeah, and we lost them both. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I wondered whether or not you could see like any obvious defensive errors with yeah. with, with in this game, or whether or not um, you think it was okay. I think this was that. This is quite a weird one because we had obviously, as I said, Apoham one side. Calvin Phillips the other side and um, Pontus in the middle so I think that three sort of was a little bit um, unfamiliar uh, so I think that didn't help uh, also this was a game uh, where Stuart Dallas was playing um, as the right-sided wing back which he didn't do very many times last season he's done it loads of times this season and been brilliant at it um, but last season he didn't do that very much so he was even like him being there was um one of our normal players being missing ailing wasn't there um douglas was left wing back um i thought douglas was probably the best of the of the of the um sort of back five so to speak um but um yeah i i think it did just i think it just seemed unfamiliar so there were some mistakes um and i also think they did just didn't look so good passing the ball between each other so it was Leeds were losing the ball playing the ball out from the back uh, and then turning it over to Sheffield United and so they were sort of attacking us again and again because we were uh, we were playing the ball forwards in a way that we wouldn't normally. Anything else that you wanted to say about this game then? Yeah, just that I, th- I, th- 
I think it was a very just a very interesting one to see us um underdogs I guess. Yeah, it 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 was really and it, yeah, when you contrast it with the uh the other Sheffield United game uh, from that season where we completely dominated them, had over 60% possession, uh had all the shots um and then ended up losing 1-0. You, it's it's sort of really quite weird to think that this was the one that we came out with the three points um and at that point in time it felt like a yeah felt like a really important win that put us top of the league um so it was a yeah a shame that it it <laughs> it wasn't followed up with the home game but um it's interesting that Leeds do tend to win in games that we uh we don't dominate possession. I know that that's very few. Like you can count the amount of games that we have a lesser share of possession on one hand, but we've pretty much won all of them. And I guess that's a real testament again to this notion that we're developing, which is that Leeds played better this season than they did last season. Yeah, I think it's arguable whether or not Leeds were the best team in the league last season. Um, I suspect they probably weren't, um, but I don't think there's any doubt about them being the best team in the league this season. Um, and it'd be interesting, I think, to have this season's Leeds in last season's competition, because I think the, the whatever gap there was between Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United and Norwich was certainly would certainly be a lot smaller, if not um, inverted, uh, this time round. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's go to Derby, the Derby game. This is the Spygate game. Um, again, this is another one that I didn't watch. I watched the other two. Um, so I'll let you, you I'll let you talk about this one. Yeah. Um, there's maybe a, an argument that this was the best game last season. Yeah. So I think it was. I, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Leeds win 2-0. Uh, Jack Clark makes his uh, full debut starting right wing, which is a different dimension to the attack at that point in time. Um we were played a lot wider, as you said in um, uh, when we talked about the Stoke game, where we were quite narrow. In this game, we had Jack Clark going outside the fullback on the right-hand side. We had Jack Harrison going outside the fullback on the left-hand side, um, and Alioski was at this point now at left back. Um, so maybe a bit more similar to this season, where we've got Costa uh, going outside on the right. Harrison going outside on the left. Um, and yeah, Clark absolutely killed Max Lowe um, and got the assist for Kamar Roof. And uh, he didn't get the assist for Harrison's goal, but he provided the initial cross that um, Alioski turned back in to uh, for Harrison to tap in. 
uh, have to talk about Adam Forshaw in this game um, because it was it was genuinely just a pleasure to watch him in it. Um, he he was flawless uh, playing defensive midfield. I've said a lot of times that I generally prefer him um, as an eight, sort of linking uh, between the defensive mid and and into the attack. Um, but he was just brilliant in this game. He had 93% pass accuracy, 100% accuracy for long passes. So that's six out of six. Uh, so he would he would just ping it out to the left regularly. Uh, he engaged 14 defensive duels, recovered the ball 15 times, seven of them in Derby's half, uh, made three interceptions. So yeah, it it was a complete midfield performance uh, from him. Um, and two really explain Leeds' dominance in this game. Uh, we won a penalty in the first minute, which was wrongly overturned for an offside call. Uh, we had 64% possession. Uh, Derby only had two shots on target in the whole game. They attempted only 33 passes in the final third in the whole game, completed only 21 of those. Uh, Leeds had over double that. Um, Scout has a... Uh, a pressing metric called uh, passes per defensive action. Um, so that means basically how many passes we allow the opposition to make uh, on average uh, before we attempt to win the ball back from them. And uh, Leeds were the best in the league for that metric over the season uh, with an average of 6.3. But in that game, it was 4.8. So we were already the best in the league um, in terms of trying to win the ball back the fastest. But in that game, 4.8 is just unbelievable. Like they literally couldn't get a kick. Every time they got the ball, there was a swarm of of Leeds bodies uh, over them. A couple of little interesting things. Uh, Roof scored his last goal in the league in this game and it was in January. So he racked up 3.86 xg from that game onwards until he scored again in the playoff semi-final and that that was quite a big um problem for us in the second half of the season obviously he wasn't always playing as the number nine from that point on but um that's that sort of tells a bit of a story also bailey peacock farrell was uh lucky not to give away a stupid penalty as he kicked Dwayne holmes in the head <laughs> uh, and he did a bit of sweeping, uh, which he looked pretty uncomfortable with. Um, and this season, we've seen Casilla do that um, a lot more comfortably. Um, not sure if we're going to be seeing him again in a lead shirt, but I, we don't know yet how Meslier does his um, does the sweeper keeper role. But just thought that was interesting. And the other thing to say, just on the XG, and this is my last thing on this one. Uh, they pretty much flatlined. They had zero XG for 35 minutes of this game. They didn't. They never got above 0.45 in the whole game, uh, and they didn't have a shot after the 80th minute. Whereas Leeds, we got 2.56 XG um, in this game. Just steadily, steadily racking up chances, and in the um, in the sim sort of simulate simulating uh all those chances it has leads winning that game 90 percent of the time which is um it just tells you that we just utterly dominated that game 
just looking at the graph now and it looks like Leeds got more XG in the first 10 minutes well just about around the 11 minute mark Leeds had a chance which took them higher in terms of XG pretty much the derby did the whole game um they have like a they have a really outside chance at around the 78th yeah. minute uh, that maybe takes them above Leeds's XG total at, at, um after 11 minutes <laughs> so yeah it was a real it was a real job that was done on them that was a very pleasant game. Yeah, we killed them. I guess it was up there with the point at which everything felt like it was great and we were going to go up because uh, yeah, yeah, we've got the West Brom game next, which was that was the West Brom game, the one that came after the QPR loss, where we were all panicking, being like, oh, you know, we should be really doing this, but we we've fallen off a little bit. Um, and then we had that four four nil win against West Brom. I'll talk about this. Um, it was yeah, it was good to go back and rewatch this. Um, I think again, it was another game where Leeds were fairly dominant for the most part, um, as you would expect in a game where where they won four nil. Tyler Roberts was playing in this game, which is really quite fun, um, and we saw the Tyler Roberts that I think we all have grown to know and love now. Um, I think the interplay between him and in Bamford was great, and probably. You know, probably that that is maybe that is the player that we, for all we said about Sammy Sizes potentially not pressing as much, but Tyler Roberts really when he comes in, he really obviously makes a difference in terms of the creative side of things. That said, um, despite this was the fact that this was a good game, I thought for the most part it still felt very basic in terms of the the attacking movements and the rotations and the interchange. Now that could be that. Tyler Roberts obviously was not a regular and never has been really during the Bielsa reign. So maybe there's something to, to say about that. Um, and this must be one of the first games that Kiko Casilla comes in, um, it being the January of 2019. So I presume we just picked him up in that, that transfer window. Um, so you're already seeing, I think, the the obvious benefit of having Kiko Casilla over Bailey Peacock-Farrell. Incredible amount of intensity at the uh, at the beginning of the game. It really struck me, actually, just how much Leeds went out after West Brom. I wonder whether or not that was because Bielsa had detected that they were a little bit shaky under um, physicality. But it was a remarkably um, uh, intense pressing, um, which was quite, was quite fun to see. Um, this was the game where you have... Um, you have that wonderful goal from the beginning where basically from the kickoff, the ball is pinged forward by West Brom. I think Liam Cooper heads it forwards and Jack Harrison runs down the wide, pulls it out wide to um, Pablo Hernandez and he clonks it into the top corner. So I, I'm convinced that that probably has an impact on the resulting win. Um, I think you can compare that with the Borough game where we won 4-0 this season where there was a very early goal in that game. And I suspect yeah. that... That's why, I, and we haven't really talked about psychology much, but I, I do think that, that there is that tendency for Leeds to just be a dominant side when they're when the game state favours them, um, and I think that yeah. probably um, it probably agrees with with these two games. You've mentioned Alioski's pressing, but we've we've always known that Alioski's pressing is is very good. I think that's one of the reasons why he is preferred over other players in certain situations. One of the reasons why Bielsa likes to bring him on late in games is because you know that he is gonna he's just gonna be brutal, essentially closing down the ball and. Uh, and, and pushing pushing very hard. You've talked about this the the nice second goal. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, I I just noticed um, that that was a move uh, that we we uh, played a few times uh, over that season. So basically, um, the ball comes in from the uh, sort of inside left channel, 
played into uh, a forward who is back to goal on the edge of the box and they just sort of dink it round the corner with the outside of the foot uh, and there's another runner coming on from there. Um, so Alioski scored uh, against Norwich uh, early on in the season where Roof played the ball outside the foot round the corner. Um, in the first game of the season, uh, we tried it uh, where Roof did that, it went through to Alioski, Butland made a save, uh, and in this game, uh, it's Tyler Roberts that receives it on the edge of the box, he plays it around the corner, Bamford runs onto it uh, and scores it, and I just thought that that's clearly a, a pattern routine that they've they've played a lot of times through in training. I haven't really seen us doing that much this season, but I picked it up in, in several of our games from last season. And again, looking at the XG plot, you've got the same situation where Leeds have outscored. I mean, it's, it's a bit. It's not quite so bad as the Derby game, but they've they've outscored X, the the XG that uh, West Brom are eventually going to produce in the whole game by at this at this point, maybe twenty eight minutes. Um, so it's just incredible, um, incredible um, outperformance of the opposition. Yes, it's only one point seven one XG to Leeds in the end to to West Brom's zero point six one. Um, so Leeds are being remarkably efficient, um, and again, you know, you're not going to see games like this really where Leeds aren't being efficient. But um, another example of a game where um, where where Leeds are just dominating the XG from a very early on, and um, mm-hmm. it it taking a long time for for the opposition to get anywhere near them. I just think it's remarkable that uh, if 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 other people could see what John and I are seeing here, you would see. Um, these lines sort of the leads line climbing up steadily over 90 minutes with a few big jumps where we create some big chances but you would see the West Brom line just stop after 50 minutes and that means they don't have a single effort at goal after 50 minutes in the game so they are they're two nil down at that point it's not even three or four nil yet and they don't get another shot on goal that's just that is crazy control like, yeah we've we've completely killed them there um and i think and I, I feel really i feel like we've been robbed of um i was hopeful that we might put together a performance like this in um in the fulham game that was due to be this evening um cuz i think there there are similarities to west brom last season and fulham this season where they've they had some very good individuals uh with Rodriguez, Gale, um, some of those other players that, that they had, Livermore, um, some really good individuals for the championship, but they weren't a good team um, in terms of their tactics. And I, I, I'd have liked to have thought that we could have killed Fulham in the same way. Um, maybe we still will, but I, f- I feel that when I watched this, I thought this is what we could do to Fulham. I find it interesting that people think this is our best game because I don't think it was by a long way. And again, I think it just comes down to that game state thing, which is once we get ahead, we get ahead and we look, we're just a bit more efficient. The same thing happened with with Borough this season. Um, that came in a, at a point where we weren't really producing much, but then we just got that early goal and then we flew from there. So I think the reason why that is the thought is because it, the opponents were... Uh, one of the teams that were near the top of the league and had beaten us four one. Yeah, had had thrashed us earlier on in the season. Uh, and any time you beat a team four nil, particularly one of your rivals, um, you're gonna it's gonna look like a a really good performance. 
um, and it's going to feel perhaps uh, like a bigger, um, no, it's going to feel like a better performance than than maybe it was. But it it was um, it was maybe one of our best results, but maybe not our best performance. And not to say it was a bad one, because like I said, they didn't have a shot after fifty minutes. We won four nil, um, and they looked awful in comparison to us. So um, not to say not to pour cold water on this game. But just I agree that we have actually been better. I think we were better in the Derby game and I think we've been much better this season. Let's move on to the last game then and let's begin the discussion with a question of like why do we think Leeds are better this season than last season and um, I guess we chose we chose the Stoke game we tried to avoid by, by way of explanation we tried to avoid games this season because I think a lot of them are still quite fresh in our minds so we did talk about the possibility of looking at the Cardiff game but I, I feel like I can still f- generally remember the Cardiff game quite well and there's a few other games as well that we could have looked at but I think um we we just have them quite quite high in our heads maybe the um maybe the derby one one game and and that's another ga- game that's a shout for perhaps the most complete performance of our season um or under Bielsa but that's another the discussion but um we we went back to the Stoke game which which I think is probably our best performance under Bielsa with the exception perhaps of the um the first half against Arsenal which was just was just glorious not least because it was against Arsenal but um yeah thoughts on thoughts on obviously Bielsa felt a lot more comfortable this season to go with the 3-3-1-3 formation from the off. I think it was, was it February where we won uh, all of the games in the month? Um, five games? Yeah. I think we played 3-3-1-3 in four of those games. Um, partly, I think, because it was against weaker teams who were tending to play two strikers up front. So it's teams like Huddersfield and um, Birmingham yeah. again would have, would have been. Maybe not Birmingham, but... Um, Maybe Reading? I don't know. I, I can't remember, but um, I, I can't even remember where I was going from here. But um, uh, yeah, the reason I was to, the reason I was talking about this is because I wanted to talk about tactical flexibility. We've, we've even seen a yeah. three three uh, three five two um, hybrid formation that came in a few times, particularly at the beginning of the season, which we haven't seen as much of. But this was an example of of one of those. Um, formation so I think Stoke also played 3-5-2 um, but what we got was a sort of weird hybrid with uh, with a back three Calvin Phillips as the central centre back Ben White on the right and Berardi on the left so this was when Cooper was still out and then we had Dallas uh, as the right wing back and Alioski as the left wing back but with Dallas playing quite um, inverted so he's he, he's sort of playing the same the same role that Forshaw played in pre-season against Cagliari as a as a sort of like left wing back slash central midfielder um, and then we had because of the result of, of Alioski being the wide left wing back um, Harrison could push a lot further forward and was almost playing as a striker in front of Bamford who was who was sitting a, a little bit deep and so you'd see Harrison going from one side of the field to the other pressing the ball which is quite was quite fascinating uh, and what really struck me I think most about this game was just how much better the understanding was amongst the team members uh, between moving about moving between systems because um, Calvin Phillips is playing as a central centre-back out of possession but in possession he's pushing forward um, and then the, yeah. the, 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 the wing backs are sort of being a lot more responsible defensively in that situation yeah. and so it's really quite fascinating just how just the tactical understanding that the players have um, this was um, yeah I mean Ailing wasn't even playing in this game I don't think this is when he was still out but yeah injured yeah and I think it's still it's just it made me really aware of how much Ailing 
doing this pro, pro weird to talk about ailing in a game where he wasn't playing but um it made me realize just how um how um effective ailing has become as an attacking player um from that first game against stoke that he played in the bielsa tenure to this get well to to this sort of season where he's playing as a as a fullback slash wingback um a real attacking threat um, and even just talking about, we talk a lot now about how we overload, we overload to isolate. We build up on the right hand side and then try and get the ball wide left. I think again, a lot of that's to do with having Harrison as an out ball. Um, but really incredible how how Ailing has had to come on in leaps and bounds as an attacking player. And so much of that is to do with, I think, tactic, tactical awareness. Definitely, I think Ailing has almost um, at times he's he's been an overlapping yeah. centre back. Yeah. Um which is interesting because I remember when we when we played uh Sheffield United last season, uh Bielsa talked about uh respecting Chris Wilder for making uh the overlapping centre backs uh, tactic work because he said I've tried it in the past and I've never been able to mm. sort of make it work. But this season I think he, he has made it work with Ailing. Yeah. Um because yeah, at times where we've played, where we've been sort of playing a three-three-one-three, he's popping up beyond Dallas, beyond Costa, Hernandez, whoever's playing sort of in front of him. Um, he's popping up beyond them, but then he's still slotting back in defensively as a centre back. Um, yeah, he he has been sort of a low-key shout for um, player of the season. I think. I, again, I've just got written here, Adam Forshaw. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is yeah. I mean, even at this point, I think you can see that Forshaw is not moving properly. Um, but even still, like just everything he does is right. I think, and I think that's perhaps why. Forshaw is underrated by people because if you watch what he does, everything he does seems completely achievable by any footballer. But I think it's just his level of consistency, his movement, his ability to just do the right thing, his ability to evade a press um, and to just be in the right place at the right time all the time um, consistently is what makes him a great player. Um, I've got that goal written down. I'm not entirely sure mm. why. How could you not know what you mean by that? You mean, <laughs> I mean, you mean the one where Forshaw comes and steals the ball, pulls it inside, plays it into Harrison's feet, who just pops it off with one touch. Hernandez with the the ball, the, the ball through to just Dallas. Yeah, literally yeah, takes out three players. Dallas runs onto it, side foot in the corner. Which for me, that the best best BLC all goal. the talk. Yeah, for all the talk around the ailing volley, the Roberts goal against Hull, mm. this goal for me is still goal of the season because it because it just encapsulates everything. Yeah, that, it's, that it's everything. It. It's it's the one touch passing. It's the way that Forshaw first of all goes and gets the ball. Um, it's the third man run. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, it's the third man run, and then it, I mean the weight of pass from Hernandez. Yeah. I, d- I, d- I don't think anyone else is making that pass. You watch it, and it, it's the he knows he knows Dallas is going to be there. Mm. He doesn't even seem to look for him. He just knows. He's but and he be arrives there. at it so perfectly. Like if you watch that yeah. goal back, it's the fact that it's just too far ahead of Jack Butland in goal, and it's just at a point where Dallas is going to be ahead of the defender, and it's just everything is just perfect. It's just like the, it's like the meeting of minds. It's like everything has to happen in just the right way, and it does, and it's just perfect. And yeah, you've got the Pablo pass to Alioski for the third goal as well, uh, which is a which is a gorgeous goal as well. So I think for me that's why this was the um, the the maybe the defining 
performance of the of the Bielsa um, tenure so far. Uh, and it's just a shame that we lost Forshaw, I think, because I think we would have seen a lot more of these kinds of intense control games where um, Leeds just comfortably win and uh, and that's that. But I, we should we've we've been talking for an hour now. I'm sure we could talk for an hour more about about some of these <laughs> some of these um, games. But I'd be interested to hear like what you enjoyed most about the experience of going back and and watching all of these games over again, and and whether or not you think you changed your mind about how the development of the team has happened under Bielsa. I think the main thing that I I felt was just enjoy enjoyment <laughs> i just really loved going back and watching the progression of the team so seeing how we've sort of got better as it went on but in watching the the first game again i was sort of transported back to how i felt when i saw um saw that team uh perform in that way that i just didn't think i didn't think you could pull off pressing like this in the championship um I didn't expect uh, Roof to uh, lead the line in the way that he did, which is something we haven't actually really talked about uh, so far. But he did it in a really different way to how Bamford has done this season, where Bamford has engaged defenders a lot more um, and sort of he's received the ball back to goal quite a bit. Um, whereas Roof was always trying to run into channels and um, it was all about movement in behind. Um, he did it really well. Um and then, yeah, just going through all of these games, it's just like, just real, um, I feel very grateful that that we, that we have uh, Marcelo Bielsa as our manager. We play amazing football. Um, we could have talked about a lot more games than this. So yeah, I, I feel really fortunate that we've had this time and ho- I hope it continues. <laughs> Yeah, and I think for me, what's so interesting is the fact that as fans, we seem to think that last season was amazing because of the because of the context, and as a result of that, I think a couple of our friends have been saying, "Oh, you know, last season was great because we didn't expect anything, and this season has been torture because we've had, been expected to win every time." Um, <laughs> there is some truth yeah, to that, for sure. <laughs> of course. Uh, but I do think that it's it it does mean that a lot of us have have actually failed to see that that phase of development um that has that constant development that's happening and this team has just got better and better and better in terms of the tactics and it's just quite good to see so i think i would recommend that you go back and watch an early game even if it's like one of the games that was were, were good like the, the the early stoke game and you'll get a sense of just how far leads have come in that in that two year spread um i don't have anything else to say um, other than thank you for listening um, do stay safe we're going to try and get as much stuff as we can out during this period on our Patreon account and we'll also have other stuff going out uh, for free as well um, do keep any ideas that you have fun ideas of things that we can do coming in um, it's, it's, it can be tough to, to think of interesting things to do during the uh, during the, the break but um, with with football not being on, but we do we are keen to have a look back maybe on some early games, um, some older games, uh, maybe some of the big games from the 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 nineties and two thousands, maybe even before that if you wanted to, um, and we could even do. We could even do a podcast where we watch through a game together and just have a chat through about it and then you can watch it back, uh, the game back with our commentary over the top. Um, I don't know if that would work, but we just anything like that, there's, but there's plenty of stuff that we've, we've obviously got plenty of time to do stuff, so do let us know. Um, but again, same same sort of uh, same sort of uh, ending that we, we always ended. Do check out our Twitter account, which is 
at All Stats Aren't We. Check out our Medium. All of those posts can be found at All Stats Aren't We on Medium as well. Um, and also do do check out our Patreon. Um, obviously, a lot of the stuff that we do requires that we have uh, paid subscriptions to things, and so the money that you that you do send along our way is is very helpful, and you can do that for as as little as one dollar a month. Um, but yeah, other than that, I guess we are both going to wish that you uh, stay safe in the in the meantime. Look after yourselves. Try not to go outside if you can. Uh, and make sure you listen to plenty of Leeds content while you're, while you're inside. But thank you, Josh, for, for coming on tonight. Always a pleasure, mate. No worries. And we'll speak to you again soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big-